friendships, friendships are built on a lot of things, like similar interests. I've seen friendships blossom and bloom just because people like to play the same sport, that they like the same kind of movies, that they have the same taste in music. Friendships build on, on even just being around someone, that you're, you're just next to someone every, every day or you're next to someone every week that just kind of over proximity, that you naturally become friends. Uh, I've seen, you know, friends that they don't even talk very much. They just kind of sit together and then they're just friends. They're good friends. Um, a lot of friendships that I, I've made over the years, sometimes it's just because they go to the same church. They go to the same school. They, we go to the same work and all of a sudden you become friends. But friendships are proven. Friendships are tested when things don't go so well. Friendships are tested when you're not in the best of moods. Friendships are tested when you aren't the nicest person, when you don't have your makeup on, when you're not wearing the best kind of clothes, when you're not feeling well, when you're ill when you're sick, when you're in the hospital, when you're going through the rough times. Friendships are tested when you're, when you're put into jail and you get, or you're given one phone call and you're, you wonder, who is my one phone call? Who would be a good enough friend to, to bail me out of jail? I think what, what happens in our society, what happened very recently and very frequently is that with the rise of social media, people begin to think, I have lots of friends, which may be true. You know, if you look on Facebook, if you look on your Instagram, how many followers you have, how many friends you have, it may be true that you may be friends because you guys like the same food pictures. You guys like the same sports team, you know? But I think the problem with social media, and I'm not knocking social media. I use social media all the time. The problem with social media is that sometimes you think that these friendships are built to last, but really they're not the kind of friendships that are built on solid ground. They're kind of like sandcastles. These friendships that we build a lot and they look really good, but the soon, the moment a wave comes, that friendship is gone and destroyed. What once seemed like you had, oh, 500 friends, all of a sudden gets dwindled down to maybe a handful of friends. I think the problem, I think the issue that we have with friendships is that when we come into counter with these hard times, these difficult moments, these ones where you don't know what to do, you don't know what to say because there is nothing to say, we wonder to ourselves, what do we do? How do I console this person? How do I be a good friend in this time? I think the reason why we don't have a lot of close friends is because we don't know what it means to be a good friend. We don't know what it means to be there for someone. I remember when I was really learning how to be a pastor, really learning how to do ministry, what it came down to wasn't trying to be the best speaker, trying to be the one who's charismatic and, and, and always outgoing and lively. What I've learned is my job is to be your friend. And I think what we're going to learn from the text is that Jesus was the greatest friend. Jesus was the kind of friend that you would always want. And I want to go over why he is 
the greatest friend. And why in ministry, in church, we should all be friends. And I don't want to cheapen that word. I don't want you just to look to your neighbor and say, hey, you're my friend because I like you. It's I'm your friend because I'm going to be here with you. I'm going to be here for you. Through whatever, whatever comes our way, I am going to be here with you, for you. Because Jesus was there for me. If we could open up our Bibles to John chapter 11, I'm going to read us a very famous passage. A passage in which Jesus raises a man from the dead. And I'm sure you've heard of this man's name. His name is Lazarus. But I want us to read the story again with fresh eyes like I've been talking about. So John chapter 11 verse 1. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. I want us to remember this. Jesus, when he hears that this guy Lazarus is sick, his, his, one of his close friends, someone he loves, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And we're going we're gonna to go down to verse 17. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. So Jesus, Jesus finds out that he died. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, verse 19. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him, and Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's kind of like an indictment against Jesus. Martha is telling Jesus, if you were only here, he would have been alive. What took you so long to get here? Verse 22. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She, she said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. The same thing that Martha had said earlier. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirits and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? We're going to stop there. These two sisters are very different in their response. And what I mean is that they say the same thing. 
They say, the, the, they say the thing that we all say when we are encountered with a difficulty of life. Jesus, if you were only here, Jesus, if you were only present, Jesus, if you just had fixed this problem, it wouldn't have gone so terribly. So why weren't you here? But these sisters said it in a very different way. See, Martha, when she was saying, Jesus, if you were only here, my brother would still be alive, I believe the way she was saying it was, against, was again an accusation towards Jesus. Where were you? What are you doing? How, why weren't you here? And she had this anger about her. And, and just trying to explain to him, I believe in you and I know, I know that whatever you ask of God, it will happen. But where were you? It's this, it's this feeling of confusion, frustration. Her brother just died. Her brother was, was sick and passed away and he was buried and he was in a tomb for four days and Jesus took so long to get there. So Jesus, what, what are you doing? And Jesus reminds her. He reminds her that anyone who believes in him shall not die. He reminds her of the gospel. He reminds her that God, that God is still good. That God is able to reverse death itself. And he reaffirms her. He encourages her. Do you believe in the resurrection? She goes, yes. Do you believe that I am the resurrection and, and I am the life? And she goes, yes. Jesus responds to his friend who is angry and confused and anchors his friend in the gospel. I think in our friendships, many times, the foundation of our friendship is our interests and our likes and our personalities. And when the storms come, that is not a good enough foundation to last. Because I don't know any movie that you like, any sports team that you follow that will fix the major problems in life. But I find that the gospel, that our faith in our Savior is a foundation that we can remind one another that when we are going through the hardest of times, that Jesus is the resurrection, that Jesus is the life, and yes, you are going through hell and back, that you are going through the worst time you could ever imagine, but our anchor is not in the things of this world. Our anchor is in the, is in the knowledge that if we believe in Christ, that we will have eternal life with him forever and ever. Our foundation as friends must lie in the gospel first and foremost. And so what happens with Mary? Mary also asks Jesus, or explains to Jesus, Jesus, if you were here, if you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. But there's a, a, a clear difference. When Mary's saying it, she's weeping. She's weeping, and the people around her are weeping. And instead of it being like how Martha is, who's kind of angry, who's saying, Jesus, if you're only here, if you're only here, it would have all been okay. Lazarus would still be alive. And, and you know, I, I believe in you. I believe in you. I know that whatever you ask of God will happen, but how could you not have been here? Mary's response is one of weeping. She's crying. She's broken down. 
It's an anger that's not really that kind of anger. It's a frustration that's not the same as her, older, as her sister Martha. It's not that kind of frustration. It's that kind of frustration where you feel your world is falling apart and everything is coming, coming out at the seams and you're saying, Jesus, where are you? Jesus, where are you? And, and I don't know if you've ever experienced having a friend who is going through a breakdown where they were weeping because they have lost something that means something so dear to them or they have gone through this, this trial where they're not angry, they're just broken. Jesus does something here that we have to learn. That you have to learn. Because if, if Jesus had the same response that he did to Martha, to Mary, he would have been doing wrong. If he went to Mary, seeing her weeping and seeing the people around her weeping and said, do you not know I am the resurrection and I am the life? Do you not know that I am the gospel, I am the good news, and no one's going to die if they believe in me? Jesus doesn't do any of that. John eleven thirty five is the shortest verse in the Bible. And it's two words. Jesus wept. I've been going over this verse for years. I've been going over this verse asking a question, why is Jesus crying if he already knows he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead? Why would Jesus cry? Why would he be weeping if he knows in a matter of moments he's going to say, roll away that stone and have Lazarus walk out? Why would he cry? Why would he weep? In the verse preceding this, it says that his spirit was troubled. And I, I, it's like, I, I want you to understand what it means to be a Christian and what it means to be a follower of Christ. We are imitators of Jesus and Jesus himself, knowing what he was going to do, that he was going to raise Lazarus from the dead and Lazarus was going to be able to, to be around all his family and friends again, that Jesus still broke down and he wept. He wept with Mary. If you have a friend if you have a friend who is breaking down and weeping, you need to break down and weep with them. You need to allow their pain to be your pain. In our culture, that is something that we, we so often just push away. We see, people, we see people in their pain and their frustrations, their worries and their stresses, and we go, I got too much on my plate. How could I ever add what they have on mine? And so what we end up doing is we start to compartmentalize and push people away, and we go, oh, I know. You know, they just lost their job, and they are, they are going through a rough time, or their marriage is falling apart, and they're just fighting all the time, and they're just... There, she's breaking down, she's, she's crying a lot, and you know what, I just got to separate myself because that's a lot of negative energy, and I just got to make sure that, that she stays away because I'm, I'm all positivity here. And a lot of times this happens even in the church. This happens even within our own social circles. We see people going through a rough time, and we call them friends, but we, we kind of put a conditional statement, I'm friends with you when you're in a, in a, in a good place. I'm friends with you when you're all put together. When you're broken down like this, you're on your own. Jesus models for us here 
that when he sees his friends broken down, he doesn't provide the answer. He doesn't provide the solution. He doesn't, he doesn't first and foremost say, hey, what are you crying about, people? Lazarus, wake up. See, all your problems are gone. Jesus intentionally with his friend weeps with her. And yes, he does have the solution. Yes, he, he does have the answers to the problems. But we have to understand that Jesus weeping is an example unto us because it's the right thing to do. When was the last time you wept with someone? When was the last time that someone was going through something hard and rough that instead of running away and pushing it away, you went towards it and, and you began to comfort them, you began to hold them, you began to sit with them and just cry with them. There are no words that need to be said when you are weeping. There are no words when someone is going through a rough time that you need to say. People ask me all the time, so what do you say when people are going through a hard time? I'm like, I don't know. I don't say anything. But I just try to be there with them as much as I can because if you're with them, if you're just there, then you can experience what God has together. Because God will turn your mourning into dancing. God will turn your pain into praise. And this is the glory. This is, this is the beauty about being Christians. This is the beauty about being friends in the church is that when you go through hard times, when you go through these difficulties, the reason why I want to even be invited into it is because I know God is going to bring healing. I know that God is going to bring redemption and reconciliation, that he's going to mend because that's all God does. God loves seeing our brokenness and he loves coming in and bringing the gospel to come and start soothing and healing and mending us and bringing us together that once what was broken by the effects of sin, that because of the cross, because of Jesus, that God is now healing us. So our friendships, yes, our friendships need to experience these frustrations and these brokenness, these, these turmoils, because once we weep together, once we cry together, and we experience the power of God together, and we experience what he's able to do in the midst of chaos, in the midst of calamity, then when we experience healing, our friendship is strong. Our friendship is made real. It's made genuine. Because why? Because then we can remind each other the next time something hard comes on. Hey, do you not remember? Do you not remember the last time we were so worried and so stressed out? Look at what God has done. Look at where God has brought us. That's the depth of friendship. See, this is where social media is 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 not going to allow that kind of friendship to happen because you need to be with that person. I'm sorry, it is not good enough. It is not good enough sometimes just to send a text saying, hey, I'm thinking about you. That's not good enough. Sometimes you got to drive over to your friend's house. If you know they're going through something rough, you got to drive over there and you just got to be with them. You just got to sit with them. You just got to go through what they're going through person to person, face to to face. Let's not cop out. Let's not water what friendship needs to be. 
Again, I think when things are going great, social media is wonderful. You know, seeing when, when things are good, things are great, you know, being able to, to keep tabs on people and say, hey, they're doing good, they're doing good, they're doing good. That's great, that's wonderful. But the moment you find out that one of your friends is weeping, they're going through that rough time, I, I urge you, be like Jesus and be willing to be there for them and be there with them. Verse 38 John 11 says, Then Jesus deeply moved. I love, I love this passage because it talks about Jesus being emotional. That Jesus is not this straight-faced Savior. He's not like, hey, you know, what are you guys all doing? Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor. For he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say this on account of the people standing around me, that they may believe that you sent me. When he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. The reason why I, I sectioned this passage off, the earlier one is, is before I was talking about how we are supposed to be like Christ. But this is the section that I believe we allow Christ to do what he needs to do. In our friendships, in, in our problems in life, do you trust that Jesus do you trust that Jesus has the power to raise from the dead what was once lost? Do you believe that Jesus has the power to fix? That Jesus has the power to heal? Do you believe that he has the power to restore? I think in my friendships, in my relationships with people, in my relationships with you, I want to see Jesus do things like this. I want to experience the gospel firsthand. I mean, I, I don't know if you know, but this is a foreshadowing of Jesus' resurrection. There's a stone that's, that's rolled into place against the tomb, and, 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 and it gets rolled away, and out comes the Savior, because he is the resurrection. And it's not just a resurrection for after we die and we'll be raised into heaven with Christ again. This is the kind of resurrection that we can experience because Jesus is living and active. The Holy Spirit resides inside of believers. This is the power that has been, by grace, granted to us to experience I think, I think our friendships just need a shift in what it's really based on. You know, I, I think this week, take some time to reflect over your friendships, who you consider a friend. Now, I would start small. I, I would start not with, you know, how many Facebook friends you have. I wouldn't start there. I'd really start and, and think, who, who do I consider like family. 
Who's that friend in my life that I consider like family? And really begin to question and test, what is our friendship really based on? Is it based because I just see them every day? Because I guarantee you, there may come a time where you won't see them every day. Would your friendship still last even then? Is it because you have the same interests? Because then there are times where people's interests change or there is an injury that happens that disallows them from even being a part of that interest. I'm talking to guys in the room that like to mountain bike. You know, what happens if you can't mountain bike anymore? Does all of a sudden do you lose all of your friends because you can't mountain bike? Is your friendship based on the activities you do? Maybe it's based on your socioeconomic class. I like these people because they have the similar income as I do. They live in the same neighborhood. We have similar houses. Our kids go to the same school. Maybe that's what your friendship is based upon. But even then, when the storms come and you lose your job or you lose what puts you in that realm, is that what your friendship is based on? I think personally, my wife and I are finding we have a lot of friends just because we have kids. We have kids and they have kids and therefore we're friends. Our kids are friends, so we're friends. My charge is, my question really is, can our community begin to base our friendships not on the things that are external, but base it on the fact that we worship the same Savior? That we believe in a Savior so strong and so powerful and so good that he has the power to resurrect the dead. And I hope you understand that as a believer, you understand that when you die, we believe we go to heaven, and that going to heaven is resurrection. That when you die in this body, that Jesus will raise you into a new one. That he has saved you from the clutches of hell, from the clutches of your sin, and he raises you into new life. Can our friendships be based on this truth? And yes, you're still going to weep. Yes, you're still going through frustrations and hardships. And so please, do what Jesus did. If you have a friend who is like Martha and just angry and just constantly mad and just bitter and just, just remind them of the gospel. Remind them of who Jesus is. Remind them of the goodness of God. Remind them that Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And if you have a friend like Mary who is weeping, who is broken down, who is crying their eyes out, would you do what Jesus did and would you weep with them? Would you sit with them? Would you just spend some time with them? Not saying a word about doctrine, not saying a word about even what the Bible has to say. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, that's not even what Jesus Jesus did. Jesus wept. And in both scenarios, what you do is the same. That you would ask Jesus to do what he needs to do. You would ask Jesus, our Savior, to come. And that he would bring what was once dead back alive. We pray for redemption. Our friendships need to not be based on prayer. It needs to be based on the gospel. But in our friendships, we need to be praying. We need to be encouraging. We need to be present. My goal is, is that when you reflect over your, the friends in your lives, I'm not wanting you to have a lot of friends. I honestly don't even think that's possible. Because of how the cost of friendship, because of, of, how, of how much it costs to build even that kind of friendship, to be that friend unto someone, I, I, I honestly just don't believe that you can have more than five friends. 
More than five friends you're willing to lay your life down for. The willing, you're, you're willing just to really be there through the thick and thin. It's hard to have, you know, ten friends. It's, 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 my call is, though, my call is in all of our relationships, in all of our even acquaintances, even the people we just say hi to at church, that all of the relationship would be based not on our own selves or the external things, but it would be based on Christ. I remember very specifically there was a time in my old church where um, an infant had passed away. And it was, it was going to the parents' house and I was just sitting with them and just crying with them. And then I remember a few months later, another infant at our church passed away. And, and I always remember this because it was, such a, it was such a hard moment because my wife Grace was pregnant with Emery. And when we went to their funeral, and I, I, always, I always remember because we went to the funeral and it was for a, a little girl and she was only 30 days old. And I remember at the end, they're shaking everyone's hand, which I get why they do it, but I, I can only imagine how exhausting that is for the parents because they're shaking everyone's hand and it was our turn to go and say hi. And I saw the dad and he was one of my friends. And, and <laughs> I remember he held me, he hugged me, and he said, congratulations. Because my wife was pregnant and he had just lost his daughter. Let me tell you, if not for Christ, if not for, if not for Jesus, I don't know, I don't know how you can get over that. But the reason why we can stand confidently knowing, knowing that no matter what happens in this life, that it's God, it's Jesus holds our world together and he holds our friendships together don't think that you have the answers I don't have the answers you don't have the answers so stop basing your friendships on yourself stop basing on your knowledge on what you're able to do begin to base it on the one who does have the answers the one who is able to do far and above everything we can I want you to have deep relationships. The only way you can have a deep and strong relationship is through Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this day, and I pray you would give us the strength to weep with those who are weeping. Lord, that as we experience just the effects of sin, the effects of this world, and just the brokenness, that instead of trying, instead of trying just to shield ourselves and protect ourselves from those things that, Lord, that we would go and we would be friends to those that need friends. Father, I pray that you would teach us how to counsel. You would teach us how to console. But you would teach us also to be present. Father, I pray for our church, that our church would not be built on our similarities or our interests or the activities that we do together, but our church would be built on the gospel, on knowing that you are the Savior of the world. So, Father, I pray, I pray that you would strengthen us. You would help us to be like you. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.